I am so grateful that you all came to join us here at Chambly for the first Sunday of Advent. I realized this morning that this is actually the first sermon that I will be preaching during Advent, so that's exciting. <laughs> uh, my name is India Gleason, and I am the Youth Ministry Director here at Chambly. Today we are kicking off a four-week sermon series on Advent. Advent is a time of preparation for an encounter with the God who came in the flesh. Similarly, liturgy builds toward and prepares the congregation for the proclamation of the word. As we prepare for Christmas, we eagerly celebrate the coming king while looking forward to his soon return. This series references the riches of a traditional Advent liturgy and incorporates important elements of worship into the series itself. I'm so excited for you all to journey through this series with us as we anticipate the arrival of Jesus. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 18a. And I want to go ahead and preface this with an I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this, um, these 18 verses are the genealogy of Jesus, so there are a lot of tough names to pronounce. So bear with me. <laughs> An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nishan, and Nishan the father of Salom, and Salom the father of Boaz by Rehob, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Azah, and Azah the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Zelithiel, and Zelithiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matin, and Matin the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And breathe. <laughs> I think that's the hardest part of this whole thing was that part right there. We made it. <laughs> Practiced that so many times. Anyways, um, who here has ever anticipated something other than me finishing that scripture? <laughs> I have. Pretty much everyone here, we've all anticipated something. We anticipate all kinds of things. The marriage of a couple, acceptance letters from a college, a promotion at work, family vacations, self-care days, movie releases, a new episode in your favorite television series that left you on a cliffhanger from the last one, or maybe the arrival of a baby. This season is all about the anticipation of a baby boy born in a manger who was sent down to dwell among us, to teach us, and to die for us, so that we can be forgiven of our sins and follow him. The word Advent that has been thrown around this morning and that will be continue to be said throughout the rest of these four weeks means arrival. It is a season of waiting, anticipation, and preparation as we seek to make ourselves ready for an encounter with Jesus. I, this is not the same, but I have been in anticipation for over a year now about a vacation I will be taking with my family very soon. And now that the vacation is so close, the anticipation is becoming unbearable. I just want it to be over with. I don't want to wait anymore. I just want to be on vacation. You ever get so excited about something that you're anticipating, you start counting down the days, or maybe even the days, hours, and seconds? That's where my family and I are at right now. Since day 10, um, since the day 10 out mark of our vacation, someone in my family, also known as my dad, has made it a point to go into our family group chat and post a countdown. 10 days, nine days, or as my dad called day nine, Gordy Howe day, days left. Really hope somebody got that reference. Thank you. <laughs> my point is that anticipation brings countdowns to help us prepare for what's to come. This time of anticipation is often called a waiting period, much like this week that my family is in right now. We're just waiting. We are currently in the biggest and busiest season of the year. There are holiday parties, school finals and tests, vacations, family visits, buying gifts, returning gifts. Regardless of what it is, it's a hectic season. We are constantly filling our schedule with traditions and customs that compete for our time. Waiting isn't popular during this always on the go season that we're in. If we look at this theme of waiting, we can see how Matthew uses the genealogy of Jesus as a means of emphasizing an important point about Jesus. Jesus is the point of history. Scholar Craig Keener makes this point in a commentary on the New Testament to those beginning verses of Matthew. He says, Matthew's point here is profound. So much is Jesus the focal point of history that his ancestors depend on him for their meaning. In other words, 
God sovereignly directed the history of Israel and preserved David's line because of his plan to send Jesus, end quote. From Abraham to Jesus, there are 42 generations of people anticipating the coming of Christ. These generations show how Jesus fits into the line of both David and Abraham. And for generations, the Israelites were waiting for a Messiah. And God's promises never fail, but they sometimes take a lot longer than we may anticipate. Just as the Israelites were waiting 42 generations, here we are 2,000 years later still anticipating the arrival of Jesus every Advent. I have found that this season has shifted in what we are anticipating. Like I said, we're in a busy and we're in a hectic season. But I've noticed that I find myself wrapped up in everything else that we are anticipating, and I lose sight of what is most important. I start focusing on buying gifts, making plans to go see family, anticipating the new year, just bypassing Christmas and getting ready for 2024, and most importantly, not slowing down to the point where I don't recognize it's Christmas until that morning. And I'm sure many of you are in the same boat. That just doesn't sit right with me. As a society, we no longer focus on the anticipation of the birth of Jesus Christ. We focus on the anticipation of everything else that comes with the season of Advent. I don't want you to hear that you shouldn't anticipate those things because it's fun to anticipate and get excited about those things and be excited about Christmas morning. What I'm saying is don't get so caught up in the anticipation of those things, like I so often do myself, that you don't realize Jesus has arrived until the day after Christmas. But how do we do this? How do we slow down and sit in our anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. Do we do this by reading scripture every day? Do we do this by just slowing down our pace, slowing down the events that we have? I don't have an answer. I think my answer would be to do this and whatever makes you anticipate the coming of Jesus just a little bit more. This week, as I was writing the sermon, I started thinking about Advent and tr the traditions that we have in my parents' house. The season is full of traditions. Everybody has their own traditions in their own family, whether that be where you go for Christmas Eve, what you do Christmas morning, anything. And we have those same traditions in my house. One of our traditions is putting up a nativity scene in our house that was hand-painted by my dad's mom, and we use it every year. When we set it up, we put out Mary and Joseph, the shepherd, the cattle, the sheep, the three wise men and their camels, and the angel and the manger. 
Did you catch what I didn't name? Jesus. The nativity scene that my grandma made has a baby Jesus who is not attached to the manger. The reason for this is because Jesus is not in that manger until Christmas Day. So my dad made it a point to keep baby Jesus hidden, mainly so he wouldn't get broken. And then on Christmas morning, my sisters and I would get up and we would run to the living room and we would ask dad for baby Jesus and we would lay him in the manger because our Messiah, our King, has arrived and the anticipation is over. My dad, who, if some of you don't know, is a local pastor in the United Methodist Church. And he has incorporated this into his nativity scene at his church. He keeps baby Jesus in the drawer of his pulpit until the fourth Sunday of Advent or the Christmas Eve service. He also does an elaborate walkthrough of the nativity scene in which he moves pieces of the nativity scene closer to the stable as the Advent season goes on to show the progression and the anticipation of Jesus being born in real time. So he takes, if you look at this nativity scene behind me, it's got the three wise men and the camel, and he starts out by not having them present in the nativity scene um, the first Sunday of Advent. And then the next day he puts them on the piano that's just off to the side. Then he moves it down the next Sunday just a little closer to the side. And then he moves it over closer to the nativity scene on the fourth Sunday of Advent. To show this progression of even the anticipation of the three wise men who it took two years to get to Jesus before, after he was born. This is just one way that my family has kept the tradition of anticipation the, for the tradition of anticipating the arrival of Jesus alive and well. It is always one of my favorite parts of Christmas in our house. Speaking of nativity scenes, I want to take this time really quickly um, while I'm talking about them to give a big thank you to Miss Lee Turner um, for letting the church borrow her lifelong collection of nativity scenes from around the world. They are placed in all of the window seals, sills located around the sanctuary. And I highly encourage you to take a stroll and look at all the beautiful nativity scenes that she has collected over the years. So thank you, Miss Lee. Find your traditions that keep the flame of anticipation burning because today is the start of the season of, of Advent. And in four weeks, we will have a baby Jesus lying in that manger. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you pour out on all who desire it is a spirit of grace and supplication. Deliver us as we come into your presence from cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal, we may worship you in spirit and in truth through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.